0: Welcome to Risk Never Sleeps, where we meet and get to know the people delivering patient care and protecting patient safety. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet. Welcome to the Risk Never Sleeps podcast in which we learn about the people that are on the front lines delivering and protecting patient care. I'm Ed Gaudet, the host of our program, and today I am pleased to be joined by Will Landry, the SVP and Chief Information Officer for Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady Health System and Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
1: That's right, thanks. Thank you, Ed,
0: thanks for having me. Yeah, Will, welcome to the program. I saw you worked at BCBS too, at one point.
1: I did, I was at uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Louisiana for a couple of years. I was primarily, I was there to, there for a couple of data center migrations. Oh, okay. And and we had some on-premise data centers and we migrated to some, to some COLA facilities. It was was basically two-year projects that we we finished in a few months and then kind of moved on to do something else
0: for that. We know them well, we do some work with them today. Let's start off with, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your role, and a little bit about the organization.
1: Sure, yeah, so my name is Will Landry, I'm the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer for the health system. I've been with FMLHS for four years, a little over four years now. Um, Prior to that, I was with uh, Lafayette General Health, another health system in Southwest Louisiana, and then for five years there, and then with Blue Cross Blue Shield Louisiana, and with a, a large home healthcare and hospice company called a Metasys. and that's also in Baton Rouge, but it's a national home health and hospice company. And prior, to, that's my healthcare experience. Prior to that, my experience is all in the retail, wholesale slash John Deere industry. So my, oh, okay. my dad was a design engineer for John Deere and ended up being a uh, president and general manager of a John Deere dealership for a long time. And that's all, all of my jobs through middle school, high school, and college, we're all working at John Deere dealerships, so. Awesome, John Deere makes a phenomenal product. They do, and so <laughs> what I do, I'm responsible for all IT, all technology and innovation mm-hmm. as well too, and all of our digital space. So we are a large Catholic health system based in Baton Rouge, but we have uh, 10 hospitals in Louisiana and Mississippi, and over 300 uh, ambulatory locations, uh, like clinics in, in both of the states as well. And, and so we have a large, a large footprint of technology and, and all those locations. We have over 40,000 active users within our environment, of, of which 20,000 are employees. So we basically have, you know, a lot of contractors, a lot of well, physicians and, and outside staff. And we also have a lot of independent uh, partner facilities that are, they're independent, but we provide, or we provide our medical record to. So we use Epic as our medical record. So we have a community connect program where mm-hmm. we provide IT services and that EMR to other independent facilities. We have a lot of different smaller ambulatory clinics, but we also have three inpatient facilities that we do that with now as well. Okay, too.
0: cool. So as you look over the next 12 to 24 months, what are the top three to five priorities you're focused on?
1: Our, I'll give you our main three strategies. Our first is just consumer experience and optimization. So we've, we have spent a lot of Resources and assets and, and, and money when implementing new systems, whether it's Epic, whether it's our new ERP with Oracle Cloud. And we've done a lot with our Microsoft products and tool sets and different technologies that we've put in place. And, and now we're focused on optimizing and getting more out of them, but also improving the consumer experience. In healthcare, we talk a lot about reducing clicks for providers, but we want to reduce clicks for everyone. Not just providers, but for our nursing teams, for our for our back office staff, for our shared services staffs, so we want the technology to be simpler and easier to use for everybody, so that they're focused on what they're good at and focused on being more productive and not just focused on using the technology. The second area where we're like really have heavily focused on is though it's kind of three prong, but is our revenue cycle operation, our billing operations, and using uh, artificial intelligence AI. In analytics to do that better, and and to be able so that we're billing better, that we're coding better, and it's not just about increasing revenue and making more money. It's so that it's right. We mm-hmm. want it to be right, and so the billing is right for the patients. And at the end of the day, those are the things that we're really focused on. That, and obviously, using our data, we have we've made investments in these systems, and now we want to be able to utilize the the data uh, for analytics for social determinants of health and being able to help the communities that we serve. And then our third. The third strategy that we're really focused on this year, it's and there's they're kind of two, sometimes uh, opposite, but they we have them together as one strategy because they're so complementary. Is cybersecurity and interoperability? We have to be secure, and we also have to share data, and so we and we have to do both things very well. And that's that we are really focused on improving both of those areas. That makes sense. I could
0: see that with the ONC and the interoperable. Yeah. So that does make a lot of sense that they're together. But you're right, they, there's some tension there between sure. enforcing the control and uh, opening it up to share the right. data to to patients and partners. I love the way you think about that. How did you get into healthcare and, and cybersecurity? Or I'm sorry, IT in general?
1: Yeah, IT has always been a passion of mine. I've had since, uh, and I'll attribute this to my father, but I've had a PC since I was three years old. Oh, at wow. the old IBM PC <laughs> junior. Same I time with the Candys and the Commodore 64s were out there. I had an IBM yeah. PC junior that my, my dad made an investment in and I, it definitely paid off in the long run for me at least. That is something that really gave me a passion for how does this work? I've always wanted to know how things work, how they're built, what's behind this that makes it tick. And then through middle school and high school, I got into to coding and so my elective classes in high school were all like programming. We did Turbo Pascal and C Turbo
0: so. Pascal, yeah, I know it <laughs> you know, well. I Probably yeah. don't get
1: a lot of Turbo Pascal mentioned <laughs> recently, but I met my wife in a Turbo Pascal class, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and and then when I and in in college, I majored in information systems, at, and my programming classes were all my easy A's. That was and then yeah. I, so I have just always had a passion for that, and then how oh. I ended up in healthcare, I was doing. I mentioned earlier my background, early background is a lot of John Deere mm-hmm. and a lot of agriculture, commercial equipment industry. I was doing IT in those areas, but I ended up just, I, I had to do something different because my, my my parents company, they sold it, they retired, they did something different. So I was looking to just do something different and I stumbled upon an, an IT operations manager job and a medicis. And yeah. I never had even considered working in healthcare. And I really had, I really got, I really under, kind of connected to the purpose of healthcare. and mm-hmm. And we did a, we did, our leaders had to do at one point, they, they asked all of our leaders to do ride-alongs with some of the nurses to kind of get a, an idea of what they do on a daily basis. And it really hit home, like how hard healthcare is for me mm-hmm. to see that firsthand. And it really, I'll never forget that because it, it's really reminded me what we do from a technology perspective in healthcare is we are trying to make their job easier, not harder. And we have to keep reminding ourselves of that all the time that the technology is to try to make them more efficient and more effective in what they're doing so that they can care for the patients better. And that is always, and then also too, along with that part, I learned later when I was at Lafayette General, I really learned and hit home that when we provide these EMRs and electronic medical record systems in healthcare, it's interesting because we're in an industry where we're providing a service that our users really don't want. Because it's, and that's changed over time, but not long after the Affordable Care Act, there's a lot of negative oh, absolute providers and nurses about having to document electronically and so we've we have a lot of pressure to deliver systems that that are up up that they're up times hundred percent and that they're not a hindrance to what they're doing and so it is it's a little bit different that that we have that's a really high bar that we have to set, and we're constantly trying to improve that,
0: yeah, I remember that you mentioned saving clicks, and I remember the first time I heard that. Uh, the light bulb went off, and since then, this is back in 2009, 2010, that's been my center for design as I think about designing products for healthcare. It is that notion of saving clicks and reducing that burden of IT on the provider and support folks that are trying to provide services to the provider. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. So a lot obviously happening, I'm sure, in your world. What keeps you up at night?
1: I think what keeps me me up at night is just the availability of our systems. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's that can be from that's obviously from cyber attacks or even from physical failures and hardware failures, things like that. And we as we become as not just the healthcare, not just our industry our company, but as consumers, we become we are way more dependent on technology than we were a year ago, than five years ago, than ten years ago. And and our expectations of uptime and, and these and access to these systems has increased exponentially over that time period too, so being able to keep these systems online and available, thats that obviously keeps me up at night.
0: Yeah, I imagine that's like, for any type of critical system, that's the number one feature. If it's not up and running and available, it doesn't matter running. what's behind it. That's- so, tough couple of years with the pandemic, what are you most proud of personally or professionally over the last couple of years?
1: What I'm most, like, so what we've, what we've been able to do, I, I would say during the pandemic, we, I, I remember sitting, I was sitting in this office and our, our, our VP of Rep Cycle sits right next to me and she came in here, this is three weeks, and it was probably late January. Oh. And was basically, was like, hey, this thing ain't trying to be prepared to have people go home because we had an ice storm a few years ago and our VPNs didn't work. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay. So we started, <laughs> we actually started, and I just started, I think I was like two weeks into the job, you know, oh, so no. I didn't really know the history of how it it uh, all went down. So we actually, I got with our director of infrastructure and our network teams and stuff. We started actually planning some stuff out. Like, hey, if we had to send a lot of people home, could we do it? But the answer was like, no, but this was, we had to, we said, I remember, I think we sent everyone home on like March 26 or something like that. It was somewhere yeah. in that frame. Yeah. In. That sounds about right. And we were, we had, we were upgrading circuits, putting stuff in place. We were scrambling to do all this stuff. And I think we were a few weeks ahead of a lot of other companies because we were getting really good lead times from our providers, our ISPs, and they were like happy to do it. And we were turning up circuits and gig circuits everywhere. And I will say that I was very proud of that because we did not miss a beat when Mm -hmm. we sent people home. We had hardware like technology ready from a bandwidth perspective and we we that was really great the other thing i will say that we've done is we've had a really good over the last three years with things have shifted a lot in our work environment in our mm-hmm. workforce we went i think that summer june 2020 we told all our team that was remote we basically said hey if you are remote now you can stay remote in indefinitely so if you like working from home and you're like deciding whether or not you want to put an investment into a home office, go ahead and do it. And so we're not, if you want to stay, let's, we're seeing good productivity and it's working out well. And from right. an IT perspective, we are not in the hospital. We are actually right. already a shared services facility. So we're already mm-hmm. offsite anyway. So it didn't really make a lot of difference. I We were able to retain a lot of employees that way. We actually were able to retain not just because of the, the, that, but actually we've had employees that have moved because spouses got other jobs in other areas or out of state and in the past, we wouldn't have kept them, but now it doesn't really matter. Yeah, are you still work. in that posture? Are you still having people work remote? We do, we still yeah. have, we have right right around 500 people in our IT that are like full-time uh, employees and our, our, we have on-site positions that have to be on-site, our PC techs, or telecom techs they are doing actual on-site work. But we have about, let's say 300, and fifty eligible that are eligible for remote work, and we at the three fifty, we probably have three hundred and ten that are remote. Oh, wow, that's great! But yeah, it's a pretty high percentage of yeah. remote. Workers. Yeah, I come in to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Few others that are like that too. Yeah, I imagine. I, that's... And I laugh because my wife and kids know that too. But <laughs> I just need a, I need a change of scenery from time to time. But I hear you. It's been good. I think only our biggest challenge is we've had to find new ways to communicate. We've had to find. We have to find, what well, we bring on new hires or younger, or not, not necessarily younger, but less experienced staff, less experienced mm-hmm. enterprise IT or healthcare IT. We've had to train differently. We've had yes. to mentor differently. And I'm not sure that we're doing that as well as we were doing before, mm-hmm. but we have other productivity gains that we did.
0: Yeah, cool. Are you finding ways to bring people back in on a more frequent basis? Yes, or?
1: we're doing things like, we're doing things like more, we probably have more parties and tailgates and oh, cool. all kind of stuff to bring, to do things on site. We'll do yeah. some team meetings a couple of times a year where we bring people on site where we have, and it's more about, it's a lot more about fellowship and networking than it is about mm-hmm. the meeting itself. And so we're doing a lot of that too. We're also, we've encouraged our team members. We're doing something this year that we haven't done in the past and we've already seen some positive outcomes from it. Instead of coming back into the office, which is a shared services office, and it's not mm-hmm. the hospital, we encourage our teams to like have so many visits in the hospital or in a clinic per year to go actually sit on site, and go, that's what we want. We want more, what are the, you know, to go see what the users are doing, how they're using the systems mm-hmm. versus coming, face versus yeah. coming, sit uh, in, mean, it's not like every day, but it's a few times a month or a few times a quarter. And Yeah. I like that. W- what we can make work out, and that's that's not only because our team enjoyed it and got a lot of good feedback from it. Our com- our end users and our customers have, are really enjoying seeing that as well too. Oh yeah,
0: the, the providers can say, "Look at all these clicks. I need <laughs> to get rid of these clicks." <laughs> I remember a couple of those sessions. Right. So outside of healthcare and IT, what are you most passionate about? What would you be doing if you weren't doing this job?
1: Playing with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> I have an eight-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. Oh, great. I have young kids. And yeah. so we do a lot of basketball outside. We go to a lot of events. I have, actually have LSU season tickets for football oh, and basketball. nice. So we go to, yeah. my son and I go to a lot of football and basketball games together. And then I love, I'd I like, really like doing electrical work. Hmm. That would be, I always say that if I wasn't, if I had to change careers or came back into different life, I might be an electrician. And I'm not very good at it. I just like doing it. Yeah, so, but, but it's the wrong ideas. So.
0: Nice, nice. And I yeah. noticed the bobbleheads on your credenza there or
1: your uh, Yeah, shelf. those are for lots of different games and events. And some of them are for gifts from people. And I don't think I've bought any of those. I think they're all like either gifts or events. You, you to go to a bobblehead night and you get a. Oh, yeah. A yeah, yeah. That's where some of them are. I got a couple. I got a Pelicans player. a oh, Philly. Yeah. Like, I used to live in Baltimore, so I've been to... I don't have an yeah. Orioles bobblehead, but I have one. But I've actually I've had a few different Phillies bobbleheads. And this is my probably most unique one. It's the uh, no. Pelican's King Cake Baby. It's their oh. mascot during <laughs> the cool. Mardi Gras season. <laughs> you so, mentioned Baltimore. Guess whose birthday it is today? Oh. Edgar Allan Poe. Actually, <laughs> that's awesome. So I always <laughs> love the, the, the three Ravens mascots. It is our Edgar Allan and Toe. So that's that's cool. right. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So if you could go back
0: in time, what would you tell your 20-year-old self?
1: I think I would tell myself two things. I would think I would tell myself, like, one, keep working hard. It's going it, to, hard work pays off, and it does. I don't tell anybody that today. And the other thing is that you don't know everything. Mm. Although I'm pretty convinced my 25-year-old, even if I told my 25-year-old self, he would disagree. He would definitely think <laughs> Do everything be fighting um, with yourself, yes, <laughs> but and, and I think that's and I think that's uh, I think that's key for anybody in their 20s to hear, yeah, yeah, well,
0: no, nobody wants to hear that when they're 20 no. 25 or so.
1: What are you talking about?
0: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. This is the risk never sleeps podcast. Sure. What's the riskiest thing you've ever
1: done? I think the riskiest thing I've ever done. I was thinking about this the other day, it's probably my buddies and I, it was my brother, and two of my really good friends from school and college, we went to, we went whitewater rafting Etola. in uh, 2015, and it was an overnight trip, and we picked one of the uh, hardest rivers, and we'd never, the three of us, I mean, the four of us had never really been before, but it was like a level four rafting. Where, where we, was it? Local or no? It was in, it was in California. It oh. was out right outside of, it was on the Tuolumne River, right outside of Yosemite, and it uh, was so, really fun, but it was, we tumbled the boat once it was pretty risky
0: oh boy and
1: we get hurt no we didn't oh, but the water we went like the first week of, i think it was the second week it was open and the water tip was like 45 degrees it was really cold so when you hit the water it was it was really cold but it was we had a great time this suppose. but it was you know, looking back on it my buddy and i were talking about it last year the other day we we're like that was that might not have been our best decision That <laughs> never is right <laughs> <No>. <laughs> sounds good on paper yes
0: Are music or movies for the next question movies oh, all right you're on a desert island. You can bring five movies with you. What would they be?
1: Any Star Wars movie. <laughs> okay. I'm good. I, I might pick some other. i really... I could probably watch silly movies. I could watch Wayne, the Wayne's World movies. Over oh, there. yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Love it. Yeah,
0: Garth. Like The, Back, yeah. Back, to the and definitely Back
1: to the Future is indefinitely. The Back to the Future, yep. There. Airplane. Uh, yes, but Star Wars movies. I can watch any Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. All. So I did you them. play D&D as a kid? I did not. Oh, okay. Never did. No, I was into like... I played a lot of computer games. Like, I was really into King's Quest. I really liked the King's Quest, like the the text-based, like kind of the adventure-based games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was talking about. I never played Dungeons & Dragons.
0: Oh, okay. So, last-minute comments or, or advice to those folks that are thinking about getting into healthcare, IT, or cyber.
1: I think, so my advice, I think my advice is it, it is a very rewarding career, but it is hard. Healthcare and cyber, and then you add them together. It's very hard, not for the part, but I think that uh, with anything, the harder it is there's it's not made for everybody, and I think that you can um you can be very successful with with a lot of hard work, but it also I think you have to be very diligent in making sure that from a security perspective, obviously, because your your users or your access people don't you know, naturally you want open access, you want to be able to use systems, but you also want to be able to secure it. So there is, we talked earlier about interoperability, security, or sometimes pulling in opposite directions. But I think with any system and securing it, you're gonna have, you're gonna be pulling in opposite directions. and It is something that, it's not easy, it's not for the faint of heart, and there will be a lot of long nights, (laughs) but it is a very rewarding career.
0: Yeah, and you can have some fun too. Absolutely. Absolutely, all right. We've been talking to Will Landry today with FMOL out of Baton Rouge, the Franciscan missionaries of our lady health system. This is Ed Gaudet from the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. Remember, if you're on the front lines protecting patient safety or delivering patient care, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps. Thanks for listening to Risk Never Sleeps. For the show notes, resources, and more information on how to transform the protection of patient safety, visit us at sensinet.com. That's C-E-N-S-I-N-E-T.com. I'm your host, Ed Gaudette. And until next time, stay vigilant because Risk Never Sleeps.